Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. Is that a Sherpa? No. No, but it's nice. That yellow blanket's like my dream blanket. I know, it's like I can't do velvet, and I can't do Sherpa. This fabric feelings are gross. I don't think I know what Sherpa is. Do you have any fabric feelings that are like just gross? I don't think I like velvet either. No. Because you like the heebie-jeebies, yeah. You're not a fan of cotton? You know, like when you have to like pull it apart. Like a cotton balls? Oh, no. No. Cotton yeah. balls? No. They have to stay. Yeah. Cotton balls that, like, have to stay feeling. in a ball. As soon as they start unraveling, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh so good. Okay. I yeah. never knew that was a thing. Me neither. Because you like the huge That's a thing. Mm-hmm. I pull mine apart purposely. No, oh, why? No. I get those like little circle flat ones. <laughs> then you don't have to deal with it. Okay. The upgrade. All right. When were you married? June 13th, 2009. Oh, good job. My Mostly guys are like, I don't know, sometime. I got it tattooed, so I wouldn't forget. I didn't forget. know that. <laughs> that really well, why? that's not why oh. I got it, but it helps me to remember. <laughs> when were the <laughs> girls born? April 8, 2016. And when was Callie born? August 9th. Oh, you're doing good, Josh. 2020. <laughs> and you're at Mercy? Yeah. And you're in that? The Air Force Reserve. Air Force Reserve. For how long? Since, Ever? Yeah, since 2010. 12 years. Oh, not bad. Since you first started shining. Oh, my Because he left and then... Are you going to be a lifer? No. I'm going to do eight more and then I'm out. Eight oh, more it's years? almost a lifer. <laughs> this is 20 years for retirement. Okay. That's like a lifer in there. I guess so. There's <laughs> guys who are in there How for old 30. will you be in eight years? <clears throat> 60? 43. 43. Gosh. 60? <laughs> <laughs> He's it an old soul, like that. that. <laughs> Your soul will be 60. <laughs> I've been 60 for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Let's see. You guys were both in season. I listened to hers when I was in Texas a lot. Aww. Yeah. We're already back to the month of love. You were March 15th. What are we going to do for music this year? Ooh, you guys get to pick. <laughs> oh. What's your favorite, like, What's corny love song? The Titanic. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, there's room on the door. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last year? Was it the love the boat? boat? The love boat. Yeah, that one. That was but good. Do you want another one? You want the love boat again? My Amanda was just clever that you picked that. Yeah. Christopher, you're clever. Yeah, he is clever. It always flows so well. What? It flows well, like the music, like season two music. I was like, I don't like that it's different, but then it was, it was good. <laughs> Uh, it grew on it you? It did, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Oh, can we do that? Can you make a pot of chili? No. Why? I have it written down on my calendar for the cook-off. Are you going I, to it? I need you to go and make a pot of chili. What if she makes <gasps> I was just wondering if guys do that, if they cheat and have their wives make the chili. What if she tells me what to do? I mean, as long it. as she doesn't touch it. Yes. And I do all the chopping. I feel like if she directs you from another room. You and hey, Dad should go. No, you can't use pass through. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, Chip is the one you want sending the chili. You should ask him to make one with you, and then you should bring him. You should. You could be like yes. a duo. There you go. I'll the couple's the category. I'll be the sous chef. For sure. <laughs> you could even do something different, like a white chili. Oh, for sure. Wait, I like chili. white chilies. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I won't be there. It's Christmas. We're not allowed one. to eat it. <laughs> yeah, Chris We're was not. very. We wanted to be very judges. Firm about that. <laughs> no, he said he's not going to make a chili because he wants everyone to feel better about theirs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be making one. The Book of Love by Peter Gabriel came on my Spotify this morning. <laughs> What's that? Have you ever heard that song? Oh. Do tell. Uh, is, what's that movie you like with Richard Gere? The dancing. Oh, I don't one. really like. I mean, I like it a little Shall bit. We Shall, Shall we dance? Shall we dance or something like that? <laughs> oh my goodness. Megan's favorite. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I wouldn't say I love it, but if this was going to be for us, we'd have to have some like Lifehouse on there. Or something. <laughs> that is old. School. That's old. That's when we were. 
dating, right? Yeah, dating, yeah. Did you guys like a have ago. a song? Um, train. Not like that's what we danced to our wedding. Which was that? When I Look to the Sky by Train. Kind of sad because it's like all about people who are like not together. That's long because we were long distance <laughs> people oh. for forever. Yeah. So. You started dating when you were like in eighth grade? 20 years ago. I think I was in eighth grade. You were a freshman. I was in eighth grade when I started pursuing, <laughs> laying down my game. I've liked Megan longer than she's liked me. We'll put it that way. Or longer than maybe I like admitted. <laughs> That's to. what she says. That's like her favorite line. Yeah. The love boat. There you go. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners, to the month of love. We're back again. Happy February. It's Beth. It's Kate. And we are here with Josh and Megan Osborne. Yay! Welcome! Man! Thanks for having us. <laughs> Josh is not a stranger to the podcast studio, as he has been our co-host on a couple of occasions. And Megan was on our show March 15th, 2021, and Josh was on May 17th, 2021. So... If you missed that, go back and check out their episodes because they were both amazing. We've got them on the show today because we're talking all about relationships this month, love and marriage and working through the hard stuff of life. So we've got Josh and Megan on today. Josh and Megan, they've been together. They've been talking. They've been talking. (laughs) They've been talking for 20 years in eighth grade, Josh liked Megan first. <laughs> they got married Let in... the record show. <laughs> on June 13th, 2009, they've been married for... It'll be 13 years in June this year. They have three kids, three daughters. Riley and Finley were born April 8th, 2016. Finley went to be with the Lord, and Riley is raring to go, and <laughs> five years old, and such a delight. And Callie joined the scene in August 2020, and so she's over a year. Year and a half. Year and a half, so they've got a, a busy crew. We are happy to have you guys on here. Thanks for coming and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't you guys give us a little rundown on your love story? Megan talked about it a little bit on her podcast. We went to the same church, this one, for... We went to the same orthodontist. <laughs> had, like... <laughs> monthly meetings at the same time at the orthodontist in salem did you carpool (laughs) no no we would just show up at the same time and look at each other awkwardly i think didn't your mom said something like it was a shame that two kids went to church together and didn't talk to each other so she started jam which was junior high and middle school the h is silent Uh, (laughs) and, (laughs) and then we started talking at jam well, I started talking to Megan. <laughs> she was annoyed. Yeah, it's probably just shy. Well, she was playing hard to get at the very least. <laughs> very hard to get. And I tried to talk to Megan for like, I would say a couple years. So yeah, then after that, finally let me start talking to her. Started dating, dated through high school, dated through college, long distance. Got married right after I graduated college. Been together ever since, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> What's your side? What do you think I played? I don't know, hard to get, but we grew up like going to Christian school, church. There was always that like saying, you know, leave room for Jesus. So there was always like, am I allowed to like someone? So I think that played a lot into it because I really liked you. He was very sought after. I was really shocked that he paid attention to me. Everybody wanted to be with Josh Osborne. Thanks for picking me. I don't think that's true. But. It's true. <laughs> it is so true. You picked the best one. That's right. Aww. I'll just tell best, you right now. Best decision ever. Oh, man. So you guys got married right after Josh graduated, and you were humming along, <laughs> living the life of married <laughs> couples. Yeah, well, we lived in Dayton for a year by ourselves, which was good. Like the first year, just us. No one else around, no friends, no family, just two of us trying to figure out how to open a can without a can opener. We <laughs> <laughs> don't have anything. <laughs> Terrified we were going to be broke and not buying light bulbs. We had one the light, light bulbs bulb. would burn out. We're like down to one. We're like moving it. With us from room to room. <laughs> Company's coming. Bring the light bulb out. <laughs> 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 but 
like figuring life out, you know, together. The first time either of us had been out on our own. That was a really fun year. And really the first time we'd been together because we yeah. were like long distance for four years. Was that a shock? Yeah. I mean, we were like known each other for yeah. so long. But then, yeah, I think we were really good at doing our own thing. So it was like a huge learning curve to like be together. And then after that first year, Josh left for boot camp. So he was gone for like nine months, nine months, seven months. It was a long time. It was like we fell right back into doing our things. We had to kind of like adjust again after that. We've had several big chunks apart. We got good at it. <laughs> Unfortunately. <You know. laughs> That'd be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, when I came back, I went to PT school. And I remember telling her grandma my plan when I was going to, I'm going to go into the military, use the money to pay for school, and I'm going to do my prerequisites, and then get into PT school and go to PT school. And <laughs> She said, when are you going to be done with this? I said, I'll, I'll be about 30. She said, well, Josh, you'll be an old man. <laughs> <laughs> and you were 30. I was 30 yeah. when it was over. So. But not when you got married, right? Right. By the time I graduated PT school. But that graduation did not go the way I thought it would. Finley and Riley came early. I worked out an arrangement with the school to take my boards three months early or two months early or something because I was like, I don't want to have to be studying for my boards while I got twins. Because so, you were supposed to take the boards in July and they were due in July. Yeah. They said, yeah, okay, you can take them early. So I took them early and I was studying for the boards in a hospital for weeks. Took the boards while Riley was really kind of on the edge. I remember hoping that like everything was okay because you know you can't have your cell phone and, and the boards and I was just like hoping like hope everything's okay when I get out I just check my phone so back up a little bit tell us when you found out you were pregnant and expecting twins and that story with the girls we found out well because they were our first kids so we were honestly we went to the doctors just being like are we pregnant for sure because it just like I don't know we <laughs> Which sounds so silly, but that's where I was at. I was just like, I don't know. They were like, yeah, you are. And there's actually two, which you could have like picked Josh up off the floor. Almost fell over, you know, but there we don't have twins in our family. That was like a pretty big, we were so shocked. So we found out right before Christmas. We left from the doctor's office and went to go see the new Star Wars movie. And I was just like bubbling with excitement the whole time. So we were excited (laughs) to tell them. We kind of planned it that if when we found out, we were going to tell them on, tell our families on Christmas. Both our families live close and everybody was coming home for Christmas. We had a whole like plan. And so, but we didn't know we were having twins. So that was an extra fun way to do it. If anyone knows, Josh really loves movies. He's a big movie fan. So we had a movie poster made that said like, oh baby, really into running at the time. I don't run that much anymore, but we had like for the, what is that called for the title of the The movie? The tagline was like a running a marathon never seems so easy or something like that. And then we had running shoes with a little baby pair of running shoes next to ours. We went over to your parents' house and said, hey, like, you want to see this cool movie poster Megan got me? And then he, like, holds it up. We were watching everybody, like, trying to figure it out. And then they're like, oh, my gosh. And then we got to, like, whip out the sonogram. I'll never forget Josh's mom being like, ah, like, freaking out. Because she was the only one who could read the sonogram. Yeah, everybody There's else was like, that's there. cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll still be, like, one of my favorite Christmases. And then we got to go over to my parents after that and do the same thing all over again. So that was cool. Fun. It was a really fun Christmas. And then four months later... Yeah, marathon did seem pretty easy after that. (laughs) We had no idea. (laughs) I was finishing up clinical. It was a Friday. It was supposed to snow, which was unusual. I remember being excited to cozy up with my pregnant wife on the couch and watch movies all weekend. And I got a call from Megan. Need to come take me to the hospital. Went to the hospital and it just seemed like a blur. Several weeks. (laughs) Everything was going really smooth. We had, had no problems and it was just... I was walking home from school and I was a preschool teacher and felt fine. It was like spring and then there was just noticed a lot of blood and that was definitely worrisome. And so we went to the hospital and they were like, oh my gosh, like you're going to have these, you know, babies. Hopefully we can give you like a couple hours. They were hoping for maybe a day. I think there was like maybe 12 hours that they were able to kind of hold things off. But then it was a an emergency C-section and Finley came just in a lot of trouble. She was the one that was having a lot of trouble. And there was no way to know that till then. So it was a couple hours after they were born at 23 weeks. They weighed one pound, five ounces each. And Josh could hold them in one hand. She passed away a couple hours after we got to hold her. And then Riley was doing as well as you could do, you know, at 23 weeks. But it wasn't long after Finley passed away. Then Riley's just like all her systems started crashing the next day. 
they called us. We were still at the hospital. They called us down and they said, you know, her brain's bleeding, her lungs are bleeding, and like we don't think she'll make it through the weekend. And even if she did make it, I think that was just it was just like heavy no matter which way you looked at it. If she made it, they said all those things that we told you could happen now that she's had this brain bleed, like not walk or talk or see or hear or eat. Like all those things went from maybe to pretty sure that's going to be what her story is going to be. So it was pretty overwhelming. But she did make it through the weekend and we bounced around from NICU to NICU, three different ones. And Josh took his boards in there and how you? doesn't seem like great timing at all. But like the one cool thing, you know, when you look at it, Josh and I were able to be together because he had worked it out ahead of time to like take those boards, took the boards, he passed and then graduated. It was summer and I wasn't teaching and Josh didn't have a job yet and he like finished school. So we were able to go from Akron to Cleveland back to Akron together. We were always with Riley. We were always together. I don't think it was till like later that I realized just what a huge game changer that was for me. Because like Josh said, it all happened so fast. There was never really a moment to process. Finley was not was here and then gone. And then Riley and the, you were just trying to like keep your head above water. And so I think I think about like, man, like what if Josh had had a job at that time? Or what if like I had to go to Cleveland without him? Like, I don't think I would have done very well. So I just think that's like a huge blessing that we got to be together. Yeah. I think it was huge for our marriage, you know. I think community really, you know, came around our families and then church and gave us that possibility to be together. Took all the other concerns and worries we had out of the picture. And that just allowed us to really focus on each other, being there for each other and being there for Riley. Kind of a helpless feeling. We weren't allowed to hold her for a long time. We weren't even allowed to hold her. All you could do was just talk and let her hear your voice. And that was kind of the best thing we could do. At that time, we really just focused on being there for each other. And we look back on that kind of think how close we felt you know when you're going through something like that together it kind of brings you together i would say though when you're going through like a crucible kind of thing like that if there's cracks in the relationship that those can kind of be exposed later on you don't notice it in the moment because you're just trying to get through it together and you're holding on but that strain starts to show crack later and when i look back at the year that followed that Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of turmoil i felt like I kind of spiraled into like a little bit of a depression. Didn't help Megan because she's dealing with a baby who's got oxygen and an NG and I'm like trying to figure stuff out. And that was like the hard part, I think, as far as our marriage goes. It wasn't necessarily in the moment, but it was later. That's really good insight. The statistics show that, you know, married couples who have lost children oftentimes don't stay together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily like in that moment where you realize things are falling apart. I think that's so insightful that it's the aftermath. It's mm-hmm. the year afterwards that really plays out. Yeah. It's kind of like your emotions processing, you know, mm-hmm. what you were calling that crucible. It takes so much time for our minds and our bodies to process these mm-hmm. gigantic moments. Yeah. You can't do it like just in a day or a week, but it's, you know, the years that follow that. Props to you guys for even in the midst of those years following being able to kind of process together. Well, Megan, when Josh was spiraling into a depression, how did that impact you? I don't even know if I like maybe would have even realized that he was, you know, I think maybe we're both in our own way spiraling. I tend to deal with a lot of like anxiety and I was like super surprised through that whole time being like, wow, like I am doing so well. I didn't even have any medication, which I've had to do that in the past, you know, so I was really think there was like this crazy piece that passes understanding that, I mean, I still look back and I'm like, holy smokes. But I think like Josh said that you were just so busy trying to keep your head above water and you were just so hopeful that you would get to bring Riley home. Like that homecoming day, like I didn't even like let myself think about home till someone brought that up. And then that brought with it maybe another level of you were so excited to go home, but you were going home so different than what you had thought. And the thing for us is that like when they were born in April, we didn't really go back home until Riley went home in August. Maybe we did that even without even realizing like it was too hard to go home. You know, it was like super early, so we didn't have a lot of stuff. My mom went in and like cleared everything out that maybe would have made it hard, you know, to like go back to it being different than what you thought. You know, we kind of stayed away. Maybe I 
did because of that. And so when we did go home, I remember like we were so excited. We left with, you know, Riley in her car seat and like liters of oxygen and like an NG tube. And then we got home and as soon as we got home, the oxygen company met us, brought in all these tanks, this monitor. Like we were just so excited to get out of the hospital, like away from all the beeps. And then they like bring in this monitor that's like beeping like crazy. You can't get it. So stop. And you got all these like tanks and then you realize oh, the line only goes so far, so you can only carry her so far. And he's like, they all left. And I remember just looking at Josh and being like, well, we made it. I didn't feel as like excited as I thought I was. I just felt so overwhelmed, you know, maybe sad without even really realizing that. And I think like Josh said, that was true for that year. I think as like different things came up that Christmas, the Christmas before was so different. And I had imagined this next one to be so different. And I think I maybe didn't even like know how to voice it. You couldn't deny like all the blessings that were around us. And like you could see God's goodness everywhere. It was I remember telling Josh at one point, it's like almost hard to even be upset, you know, because you can just, you're overwhelmed in one moment of how everything was going down, but then you were overwhelmed by like how good we didn't have to look back and see it. You could see it like in the moment, which was wild. You were just holding this tension. And I think the tension of the good and then the like really heartbreaking stuff that was straining, you know, I think we both were trying to deal with it in our own way. I think Josh really poured it, like it was his first grown-up job, like his first time in our married years, really, that he had had a job, like he'd been a student for so long in the Air Force. So this was our first time, like him going like to work nine to five longer. And it was my first year not teaching. I had been a teacher for a really long time. We were both doing things that were just like really different. And then we had this like little baby that couldn't go outside. She stayed inside for like a year and so did we. And so I think we both were trying to figure it out. But I do remember that you, Kate, had given me a book when we were in the NICU called Mending Mending Tomorrow, I think is what it's called. Is that Chris Palala's wife? It's his wife, yeah, <laughs> from Jesus Culture. But it's a little book, super tiny. But Kate had given it to me halfway through that NICU journey. So it had been like maybe two and a half months after we had lost Finley. And it was just this like little read, but it's a story of how her and her husband had lost their son it wasn't a book full of answers and I really wasn't looking for answers at the time. It was just her story and how they kind of walked through the aftermath of all of that. And that little book, it just helped me so much, you know, especially like I didn't really get a chance to talk to anybody. I look back on that now and I think, wow, we really didn't take time to maybe process that fully. I mean, really, until I think Callie was born, we've had, we had like a box of things that like we just like couldn't even open until... We knew Callie was coming and we were just like, let's just open this, go through it. So that had been like four years after. But anyway, this book, the chapter like really stood out to me. And I think it played a part then in like that next year and then even in even since then. But she talked about how her and her husband, you know, like were so close after that losing their son and how you like are on the same page because it's all happening at the same time. You're doing it together. But then it was like the weeks and the months later you know, that they would be surprised that just they would get overwhelmed or they'd feel sad. And she said it would happen at like different times, like the most random thing would set her off. She said that she remembered it was like Christmas time and she was just so excited to be celebrating Christmas and like to be happy, didn't want to be sad. And she like was excited that she didn't feel sad. And she like looked around and couldn't find her husband anywhere. And so she went looking for him and he was upstairs like in the dark, just like sobbing. And she like almost wanted to like close the door like, oh, I don't want to go in there because like I don't want to be sad. I'm not sad right now. But she just realized for him, you know, it was hitting him that day. And so she like went in and just sat with him, even though she didn't feel that way. I don't know. That really helped us, at least me, like different things trigger different things for me than it does for Josh. And I was surprised like Josh's first Father's Day after that. I was like super excited. At that point, Riley was off oxygen. We were allowed to go outside. I was like, oh, I was like, so excited. And I like couldn't figure out like he was just like he asked if he could work that day. And I was like, work? You know, he was working so much. And I think that was part of his way of like trying to deal with it. He really wanted to work. And I thought, well, man, I had plans. We were going to do all this stuff. And then he was at work. And I just realized he just like needs to be busy today. And it, it's okay to like just give room for each other to feel I think we still do that Josh does a really good job at that I think so <laughs> you do <laughs> I'm much more emotional I think emotional than Josh so I get emotional about different things he gives me a lot of room I feel like even though you may not be feeling it 
I think it's interesting how it falls on different days, first couple of birthdays. It's always like the week of their birthday. And then like the actual birthday is super fun because you got this kid, <laughs> Riley, who loves to celebrate anything and everything. And it's just that day is just, I'm so thankful. It is such a happy day. But yeah, it's the days leading up to it that you remember. Yeah. So you you didn't just have to get through that moment of losing Finley and then bringing Riley home, but your journey with Riley is, it's been a journey with Riley and her health. And tell us about Riley's special needs. Called cerebral palsy, to put it in a, into a term. Riley has a hard time just with walking and using her right hand and her vision. Those are her stroke the part of her brain that was affected when it was bleeding is where you do your visual processing. So she has nystagmus, which makes her eyes bounce, which makes it hard to capture the image. But then once she does capture it, she has a hard time processing it, which is hard for us to understand. Like we wish we could put goggles on and see how she sees. And we're also wondering about just her auditory processing too, because she has a hard time with layered conversation, which makes being in public spaces difficult because she's hearing multiple conversations at once and she gets confused by that. A lot of the things that make life hard for her, it's hard to see or even understand for us. You know, I mean, the journey's ongoing, you know, with that. In the moment when she was a baby and, you know, we were just happy she was still there. And like I said before, you know, when, when you're going through something, you're just kind of buckling up and making your way through it. And then it, it's like the fallout of it is where things get challenged, like faith. You know, I remember we decided that God is going to be good. That's going to be true for us. No matter what's happening, we're not going to let our circumstances change what we believe about God. And then as you're going through this journey and you're praying every day for this healing to happen and it's not happening the way that you expect it to, that's when you're, you're challenged to choose what you're going to believe. For me, a lot of that has just been learning how to trust. You know, I believe that where God is, good things happen. And so I believe that he's here and I believe that he wants good things for Riley and that because of that, good things are happening for Riley. It might not look how I want it to look or it might not be on my timeline or whatever, but trusting that God has a good plan for Riley and it's being worked out right in front of me and then being present enough and trust enough to not miss it, you know, to be there in that moment when it's happening. Because it is amazing to be with kids. Kids are the hardest thing ever and the most amazing <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> well, and I think there's a tension that that's held where God is good and you have disappointment and you have grief and there are things that bring great sadness, but God is still good. How yeah. do you guys live in that tension sometimes where you know God is good and, and he's faithful and true and... I mean, I think we had to accept that we don't know. We're not going to know why. And you don't, you don't have to know why. I was trying to say about just trust. This is the plan that's being worked out. And it's more amazing than I could imagine, better than the plan I could come up with. And I don't understand all of what's happening. You know, I probably won't know until... I'm able to ask Jesus directly, <laughs> more direct than I can now. <laughs> I feel like hard moments are the moments where you lose eternity really quickly. Difficult, sad, hardship, disappointments are the moments where you just sometimes forget there's longer than the decades that we get to live. You know what I mean? Yeah. The time that we get because there's, oh, there's such difficulty but I think sometimes we lose sight of what's coming or what eternity holds or what God really has planned. And I think it's really easy to get the view when the view becomes very small. Tunnel vision. Thank you. Or something oh, yeah. like that. You get tunnel vision because... Do you feel like for the two of you, you both decided that together? Or did you find that your relationship in the midst of it all, where you were high, Megan was low, or when Megan was high, Josh was low, where you found yourselves kind of declaring, God's going to be good, you know what I mean? Or did you feel where you, you were on the you know that same wavelength together? It seems like whenever I was low, Megan was up, and vice versa, it felt like we could be there for each other. I think the challenge was to allow the other person to be there for you. And to not be like, I got it. I'm fine. Mm. You know, because you want to be able to like handle it on your own. And you want to be there for everyone. Sometimes you do just need someone there with you to help you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Help you out. I think, too, like I look back, there's like little things that I look back and I'm like, man, that's like so cool 
God was like working through things, you know, even before like I knew how desperately we needed him to be, which sometimes messes with your mind because you're like, well, yeah, if you could do all that really cool, detail-y things, like why couldn't we have just taken care of it like from the beginning? You know, but again, those are like questions you don't have answers to. But at the time, so like they were born in April. So in January, we started a class at the upper room going to Sunday school and they were doing the class LDP LDP <clears throat> thank you and it was these different like character traits right of God like each month was a different one and so we only made it through three but the three that we made it through is that God is a good father he's a father and his goodness I talked about joy and I think there was like another one but I don't know there were like the things that like that was like what we were like talking about and we I mean we try to like do things together devotionally type things here and there but it's like you start strong and then you burn out quick and it was like the first thing that we had done like together in yeah. a long time so we were like talking about it together reading the books reading together. books together i remember josh being like oh man i'm so nervous to have like kids and like that's gonna change stuff at home and josh is a very uh, neat and organized person very clean didn't eat in his car for a long time like he was just like oh kids are gonna change that and i was like <laughs> oh for sure you know because i'm a preschool <laughs> teacher he knew that but i was like you know i would tell him like when i go to school like the energy and the life that they have like they could like let the building like they're just so fun to be around I was like that's what's like gonna be in our house there's gonna be so much joy so that was like on our mind so Riley's middle name and we didn't have names we didn't get that far so it was all very scrambled I felt like and yet at the same time it ended up being super cool but her middle name is Joy and I really think that came out of that time of just like even before they were born we were talking a lot about God's goodness and about joy and I don't know it just kind of like carried in somehow so I think while yeah we definitely had days where like one pulled each other up and I felt like there was this thing like somehow that we were both carrying we didn't even know how much we would need it and I think both of us I think there were definitely moments where you just like looked at each other and we're like we're just gonna say he is right because like I don't really see it or feel it but like I'm gonna declare that because honestly and it doesn't even come out of like a place of oh wow that's like so awesome it was more like your life was so turned upside down. You were so broken. There was just nothing else to hold on to. You know what I mean? Like I was desperate to hold on to something. And so I was like willing to like grab hold of that. And I'm glad that Josh was too. And I think the lessons that we learned in that time were like long lasting. Like we still draw on those lessons that we learned For sure. back then. seems like when you're going through something hard, like everything's kind of heightened. Your awareness is heightened and you have to hold on to things a little tighter. And so you remember them a little better. And I think that that time was really important for both of us to be there with each other, experiencing it in the moment and learning those lessons together. Because I think that helped us, you know, like I said, with the fallout that happened later, if we wouldn't have had that time together, that would have been a lot harder even to go through. Yeah, because I think we just kind of put our stake in, like, we're just going to say that he's good. We're going to hold on to that and like look for that, that was something that was like really new for both of us. Like we grew up going to church here, going to Christian school. I don't know if it was ever, I don't think it was ever like taught, of course, or like meant to be, but somehow you just kind of come along into thinking like, if I do all the right things, check all the boxes, it's going to be good, right? And then for it to be like, oh, this is not good. And like we did all the things. So I think that was a really growing, mature part of our faith for both of us. And for me, it was learning that what to do with like your emotions. I feel like I'm still learning that, but like, it's okay to be upset and like disappointed and to even say, wow, God, that was not how I thought it was going to go. Like, I don't know if it was because I'm a huge people pleaser or like follow the rules, but like growing up, I was always, people say God is good. You're supposed to like feel it too, right? You're supposed to like say it and then be like, yeah, you know, that was a time of learning. Like you can, you know, still believe that and still feel though. Oh my goodness, this is really hard. And for me, like Josh said, those things that you still carry, for me, it's the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I think I talked about this on the podcast last time, but that was the story I read in that season. And it just like meant so much to me because I always, you know, you hear Mary and Martha and like Mary was always the one that was sitting by Jesus's feet like the one you should be, you know? And I was always like, man, I want to be like that, but never really felt like I identified with her so much as I did more, maybe more Martha. But then when, you know, Lazarus dies and Jesus is 
late getting there, Martha is the one that like runs out to meet him. And she said, you know, like if you would have been here, you could have saved him. But I believe, you know, like I trust you, like no matter what, you know, I know that you've got this. And but it says, you know, Mary wasn't there. The one that had sat at his feet wasn't there. And when I read that in that season of, you know, the NICU, it just made me wonder, like, was she not there because she was just so disappointed? She was so close to him and he wasn't there. And he let her down and so she couldn't go run out to meet with him because she was just just didn't know what to do with that you know but then Martha comes running back and tells her he's calling for you I just love that because he wasn't upset he wasn't like go tell Mary you know pull yourself together like I'm here he just was calling for her and I just that meant so much to me in that time because I was like I don't know what to do with all this like I want to trust you but like I feel like I can't talk to you without being like hey you know and I feel like that was in that season but honestly it's been that for the last couple years where it just like comes up you'll be doing great and then something happens and you know, I remember in the NICU, they're like, hopefully, like, Riley will go home and you'll never remember these days. But, like, we will forever remember those days, you know, because obviously Finley's not here, but also Riley lives every day with ramifications of that. Like, you just can't forget it, you know, and just sometimes there's days where it's a lot more than others. But I just am so glad that Jesus isn't afraid of Gar emotions and then when she heard he was calling for her she did go running you know and then she like just falls at his feet and says you weren't here and then like his response has meant so much to me like he cried with her he still is who he says he is and he still has this like perspective that I don't have and I can trust him but like I'm really glad that he's okay with the emotions and even like feels it with me somehow and I think that's helping me as I look toward helping Riley because like the older she gets you know, I struggle with like, how do you give space for her to feel frustrated that things are hard? She's just went through like a big surgery and is doing like this rehab. <laughs> she just was trying to do these things. And the one day I was like, don't give up, Riley. Like she was so close. I could see she was so close. She was trying to take her shirt off. And she just, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes when it does, you're like, whoa. She just put everything down and like yelled in my face, I want to give up, you know? And I was like, oh my goodness. And sometimes it's just in me to be like, let's let's tone that down, stuff that in, but to try to give her room to feel things. And I think Jesus gives us room to like feel stuff and feels it with us, you know, because it's not always okay. And it doesn't always feel okay. We know that it's going to be okay because he's in it, even though we don't have all the answers to it. Josh, what was it that pulled you out of your depression? I think for me, like a lot of it was just, I like to dream. You know, I think Megan, you know, identified that in me. I think it's true. I always am like trying to look to the future and see how things are going to be. And it just wasn't things I could, I could see now. Things were not going to be the way I'd pictured them. going to be different. And so I was like, on to the next thing. I'm going to do something, this new vision. You know, I'm going to get this new job or whatever. It is. I'm going to move this different direction. And, and then feeling like I, I knew I couldn't do that. Like I had to be there because things were still really hard. I remember just the weekend that changed. The Montgomery's have a, a cabin out off the grid. And Megan's grandma had gotten us a night out there. And it was the first night that we'd spent away from Riley after she came home. It was a long time after she came home. But it was good to be out there on the farm and being able to talk to Megan about the future and having, like, dreams together and, and being able to talk about those things was just really important. So, I, Megan, you know, definitely helped pull me out of that. Her patience with me and giving me room to feel the things just like she was just talking about, feel the things I was feeling, and then just being there for me, you know, when I wanted to talk about it, being willing to talk about the future with me, even though Megan's much more like, let's just <laughs> get through the bath time, you know. <laughs> but I love that you realize that in him, that that may not be you, but you see it in Josh yeah. and encourage it. We're not our spouses. And that may not be what you're all about, but it is for Josh. And that's something that lights him up. And so to get away, oh my gosh, number one, to get away. That is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like go on a date, get Mm -hmm. away, get out of here. (laughs) To do that, but also to like encourage things that like spark your person. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're a dreamer because I'm not. I think that I was always drawn to that in you. You adventuresome soul. I think too that realizing more and more just how many people needed to be around us to help not just with Riley but also just with each other took um, her grandma getting us that certificate for that night out there and Stephen Mel being willing to provide that space and her parents being willing to come over and be with Riley and it's just a lot of learning 
that I can't do everything myself and I need people around me and we need people around us and we need to live in community because it just makes life a lot more fun, a lot better. I think fortunate to have grown up in this church and feel that very much a, a product of this church, I think, and romance that was blossoming here. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember my parents being like, Josh, you have like a 20 minute limit before we have to go when church is over. Like, <laughs> it's like, I just want to hang out in fellowship with my friends, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> really just Megan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in difficulty for people who are in marriage and experience struggle or trauma, the husband and the wife probably experience that differently. I think that you, Josh, probably felt, or I can just imagine how Chris would see it as far as feeling responsible for so much in the midst of that. And the responsibility is a weight. You know, responsibility can be a really good weight, but it also can be a very heavy weight. Mm-hmm. You know, genders, I feel like, sometimes carry responsibilities differently. And I don't think sometimes we understand exactly the weight, good or bad, mm-hmm. that our husbands or our spouses are feeling. Can you talk for a minute about how you feel like Josh ministered to you, how your weight or responsibility was different? Yeah. Your weight is definitely, like, because you had all these, you had a job, and, like, all of a sudden, you know, you have, like, a kid financial but then you have a kid with special needs it's like overwhelming the medical part of all that and costs I definitely knew that he carried that I don't think I fully appreciated I remember being frustrated a lot of times that first year like where are you but knowing that looking back on that that's just a lot that you had to carry that first year like not only just trying to process everything that was happening but then trying to figure out like a job and then to be back into like a hospital setting you know Josh works in the hospital and then trying to that's just like I don't think I'd maybe did a good job appreciating that weight that you had but I feel like Josh is really good at like just giving me He's grown into it. Like, he definitely, like, you know, when you talk <laughs> about things that are, like, bothering you or, like, you know, the emotional weight, I think I carry that a lot. Or, like, I just, all the feels. And I think that comes from just, like, being at home in it. You know, I was the one that took Riley to appointments. And Josh just, Josh is really good at, like, being in those appointments and letting them know what's what. I'm more like, Ugh, like, I get overwhelmed. The story that best sums this up is <laughs> I was at work and uh, came home. Megan was crying, sobbing. Riley is sobbing, screaming on the floor. Uh, and uh, Riley had a feeding tube. She was, like, working so hard to eat that she would start losing weight if she ate for longer than 20 minutes. We were trying to get weight on her, so... I wish that was a problem for me, right? (laughs) Like if I ate too much, I start to burn calories. But that was Riley's big thing. And so after she ate for 20 minutes, then we had to stop feeding her and pour the rest of it into this feeding tube that would go in her nose and then down into her stomach. So we had to put this tube in and it would pop out. So it had to go obviously into her stomach and not into her lungs. But it's like, it's a baby and you're trying to shove this orange tube up through her nostril and then down the back of her throat and hope that it's in the right spot and you have to like push air into it and listen with a stethoscope and it was just it was a lot of training and they were very clear to us that it was a big responsibility when we took her home with it they i don't think they were entirely comfortable with it um (laughs) yeah the the, well the one NICU we wanted to go to they wouldn't let us go home with it they were going to put a feeding tube in directly into her stomach and we didn't want that so we didn't go to that NICU we stayed at this one that was going to let us go home with the feeding tube i came home one day and Megan was sobbing. She had been trying to put this thing in. But once Riley started crying, it was impossible to get the feeding tube back in. And she was, there was such pressure to get Riley to have calories in her that it felt like there's no way to get them in now. And I just said, we're done with this feeding tube. Like whatever it is, is what it is. Whatever she eats is what she eats. We went to the next appointment. I said, we're not doing this anymore. That was a big turning point, I feel like, for her But I also had to, like, learn that Megan wasn't always on the same page. And so, like, recently we had this big thing where this certain therapy wanted to see her. And I said, no, 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 no. She's a kid. And I want her to experience life as a kid, not in the hospital all the time. Megan said, you know, this, you know, just hear me out on this. And, you know, I had to learn how to do that. Definitely have to be willing to communicate and... I love, though, that, like, you're not always on the same page and that you're feeling different feelings. I I feel like we've had several of those meetings. (laughs) You know, Megan is amazing at letting me 
voice my opinion even though i know she's cringing inside sometimes i'm a big people pleaser but i've you know i've had to learn to not go headstrong into these meetings and take a time and just make sure that we're on the same page before we go into them and what i was gonna say before that was i feel like you're i don't know maybe other spouses can relate to that but like you i would go to tell you the stuff that was like weighing on my mind you know whether it was riley's new diagnosis or the day she had or the kind of therapy or like oh man like i'm realizing this is what quote unquote should be wow like i knew we weren't normal but wow we're really far from normal those things like would weigh on my heart a lot and i would like go to tell you that and then you would do you want to fix it you would try to like say things well remember this and like remember that and I'm thinking like well yes but like I just feel this way and I feel like you've really grown into that over these years because I still come to you with that stuff but like you give me a lot of space to just feel it and then like you feel it with me like now your responses are more like that's just that's hard and like that's that's hard Megan and I'm like yes thank you that's all like I'm looking for like that's real hard and then we usually do end up talking about like things we can do to like help it but that has really helped me because I can talk. I have a great friends or like a sister or parents. There are other people, but there's only one other person that has gone through this, you know, and I think I felt that a lot when Josh would be gone for like last year, he was gone for four months. And I just like felt that a lot. Like the person that Riley's other person was gone, you know, like the person that, you know, you share this load with yeah we come at it with different perspectives sometimes or like we have different gifts or whatever be like I couldn't do it without you like I'm super thankful that you bring to the table what you bring and I bring you know and like learning to kind of like work together in that rather than always being like whoa that's a different take on it yeah that's definitely true so in this six it's almost six year journey of starting with trauma and loss and being thrust into a whole new world of medical appointments and diagnosis and all this stuff. What have you guys done to protect your marriage and to stick with it and fight through for your marriage? I think we're learning that it doesn't have to be like big date nights. We don't even have to go out of the house, you know, to have like a special moment. Like it's been important I think for both of us to just have time at the end of the day where we talk to each other where we sit down and vices are away tv's off and we're just talking to each other megan has started this year really focusing on praying together and i think that's been really inspired by you beth and mark (laughs) i was i really was i think that's been really important for us especially feeling a lot of those same things resurface with riley's big surgery that just happened and she's like you're going through a lot of the medical stuff again and navigate that with schedules and stuff has been tough and put a strain on things evenings are crazy because you know megan's gone all day and i think that was good too for for me you know during that time megan had to take riley and i would be at home with callie and experiencing what megan does every day i was like oh man this is exhausting (laughs) 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 i don't want to you only had one of them (laughs) (laughs) this is not easy I think that was good for me. And Megan has talked about how, you know, being in the hospital every day is just kind of draining and feeling that for everyone who works in a hospital every day, being able to understand, like, does something to you, you know. It's given me a new perspective on, like, what you come home carrying. Like, that's no small thing. Yeah. So I think it kind of gave us some humility, both ends, and being able to kind of meet each other where the other person is, being able to relate to each other better knowing what the other person needs you know, to kind of fill them up. We talk a lot about the five love languages, as everyone does. I feel like who's read it? Oh, that's so great. You know, everyone should read it. My love languages by far were physical touch and gifts. I don't think that changed. I'm a very simple person, very needy. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but Megan, you know, hers was words. And I think that is still probably her number one, but we need to retake the test we were just talking about because, like, I think like quality time would be a big thing for her. Yeah, because it know. just changes. You know, years ago we had. I remember Jonathan and Megan telling me like at one time like if you don't have kids every night is date night and it's like so true. You know, like kids <laughs> kids change that for sure. So yeah, I think quality time has been bumped up there yeah. yeah and so i think it's important to remember that the person you're with isn't a static person they're dynamic and changing and i think too even like we're trying to like definitely work in progress but like having those goals to talk to each other you know those are definitely things like we're working through and i think also we are trying to like help each other because you kind of have to like communicate and like plan ahead and strategize to like give each other the room to like 
be with other people that like fill you up. Like for me, it's like hanging out with the girls, like every once in a while, like that's so helpful, you know, or just Josh, make sure that every one night a week I get to talk to my sister for like a long period of time. And that just, that helps too, you know, or like Josh was really like golf, like to get out and like be able to watch a whole movie uninterrupted, but like to be able to support each other and those things too been helpful. Megan is very supportive. She's got big dreams. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You're the dreamer. I am happy to be like, yes, you go. I think it's good that you said this is a work in progress, though. It is, for sure. Like, we're learning. So what were some of your mistakes that you wish you could go back and change? What oh, would no. you do differently now that you know what you, <laughs> what you know? <laughs> I think this type of advice is sometimes the best advice. Yeah. And it's Sorry. hard to admit when you haven't been your best self. But with that book that I gave you. Yeah. I mean, they're divorced. Yeah. You know, they didn't make it and she left him. I'm sure that there were a lot of cases where they probably could have done Something things really differently. differently. And I'm sure that she would say that now that she wishes they would have done things differently. Sorry. Yeah, to like look back on it now you could probably see yeah to be able to hear that advice i have several i'm like working through them in my head right now i mean like megan said i i really threw myself into work and then even beyond that into the air force like i was like i'm gonna it sounds crazy to this is a three speaking (laughs) (laughs) it sounds crazy to say this but like i was like i'm gonna go on this like crazy different adventure where i'm gonna get a completely new job and it was gonna be like a year of training pipeline training where i don't come home and this is like with a a new baby out of the NICU, you know, home. And I just kind of threw myself into work and trying to make sure that, like Megan said, like the financial aspect, I think really weighed on me. And I I just would have let a lot of that go. Would have been able to enjoy the journey that I was on in that moment better. And I think that's something that everyone struggles with, right? It's just being present in each moment. We have so many distractions around us. But then beyond that, like my own mind, trying to like see the next thing and be in the next place. When I finally did go on like my little adventure, which wasn't a year, thank goodness it was a few months, but I spent that whole time looking at photos of Riley when she was, you know, two, three, four years old and, you know, videos. Listening to Megan's Shine podcast. (laughs) Yes. Listening to Megan's Shine podcast and just wishing I was home, you know, and thinking I'm never going to get these months back. I'm never going to be able to see some of these things that I'm missing now. And I wish I wouldn't have thrown myself into the next thing when it felt hard and I wanted to move on to the next thing. All right, I'm done with this. This is hard. I have had enough of this. (laughs) Let's do something else. You know, I wish I would have been able to embrace that moment better because I do believe that whatever's happening right now with Riley is an amazing, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that I won't fully understand how many people she's impacting who she'll impact in the future, you know, and those things are yet to be determined. But I believe God is writing that story and I want to be present and engaged and there for it. And I don't want to be missing it. You know, there's things that are unavoidable and things that I have to do. But the things that I chose to do, I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I would have been present more and engaged and not daydreaming about the next thing. I think that would have helped both of us. And I think it would have helped me move into the next phase of my maturity quicker. There's lots more, (laughs) (laughs) but we don't have all night. (laughs) That was very good, though. That was very vulnerable. I think mine would be similar in the sense of kind of what you were saying, like enjoying the moment. I wish, I feel like it's only been, maybe it has been since, you know, you came back from this last big trip. But like, I wish however many years we've been married, 12. I wish for like 10 of them. I just would have like relaxed a little bit believed all the things that you said about me like I feel like I just I just would have let like let it just would have been so much more fun you know things that I thought were a big deal this year it's like not that big a deal and I just wish I would have enjoyed those moments and I feel like I have that just moving forward like I just like you said I just don't want to miss it there's room for definitely those emotions and those things that come but like I know there's just so many good things I know I'm super thankful and blessed to have you 
our friendship, our marriage, just all that, like just to enjoy that. And you notice that, unfortunately, like when you're not there, like those four months you're gone, I'm like, oh man. And then like we were so intent, like, and then quickly, you know, things come in and like, it is hard to hold on to it. But like, yeah, to just enjoy those moments of like just being together. It's crazy and it's wild trying to figure out for us, like, you know, Riley was with all of her different things. Like to us, that's just all we know. Along comes Kylie and she can like do things at a way different pace and speed. And it's just like super cool to see that another learning curve for us. Like it's like almost having like a first kid all over again in some ways. And she just, she just really helps us to like enjoy those moments. Like she doesn't see all that stuff. Like we see like she's just probably, you know, and like just the... (laughs) It's just her. Like the other night, we just had like a dance party and a snowball fight in the living room, like like with pretend snowballs, and they were like laughing. Just like more of that stuff, just simple things. I get so sometimes trying to make something more than it needs to be and just enjoy those moments with them, with you. I think that's what I wish I would have done differently because it was like so much easier then, and I thought it was like way not. I'm sure there'll be years from now that I'll be like, remember that time? That was so easy, you know? So I want to enjoy it. You yeah. talk about that, like all the patients you have, like you work with a lot of older people. They'll ask how old you are or like what you're doing in your life. And they're like, like, 34. Oh. like oh, prime of life, huh? Prime of life. And you're feeling like, oh my gosh, you know? Yep, but I'm like, beacon right now. <laughs> <laughs> but their perspective is just like different. But, you know, to be fair, a lot of those patients I'm working with and they're like, I just bought my dream car and I got a stroke. Oh, I can't drive. We've been saving all our lives for this big trip to Europe. And now I can't walk and I can't go. It's like, oh, you got to live. Like right now, you got to be living right now. And you can't always be looking to the future. I got one last question. So Josh and Megan, marriage life is hard, even if you don't have extenuating circumstances. You know, I mean, it's just hard. So do you have any encouragement out there for couples who may be struggling or finding themselves in facing circumstances from life that they didn't expect, didn't plan for, didn't want, and just feel really hopeless? What do you have to say to folks that are feeling like that? Before we say anything, we should put on this disclaimer that we are not marriage experts. (laughs) (laughs) Megan and I, we're talking about that on the way over. We're figuring this out with everyone else. And I do think there is some advice there. You know, you had couples on last year that when you go back and listen to their stories, it's not all roses, not a cakewalk for anyone. You know, everyone's dealing with stuff and and going through stuff. And it's hard to not focus on the tough things and the day-to-day things that just seem like they're such a big deal. You know, just enjoying each moment is so important because, like you said, marriage is tough and life. I already said that I'm not an expert. So (laughs) there you go. Megan will have something really good to say. Megan, what do you have to say? (laughs) I think kind of like you were talking about how we learned how important community is and to have people around you. I feel like that first year we were married, I do remember being surprised. Like I was just so excited to like get married to you. Finally, we're going to be in the same place and just realizing like, you know, I'm sure everybody, you know, if they're honest, like had that moment of being like, oh, like just because you have that ring on your finger, it's like not just like it's over. Like I remember being like, naive and young and just realized oh just because we're now in the same place like living together i thought you know just like oh once we get married like once we're together like it'll just be a lot easier and just being like really surprised and i was like it's not you know (laughs) and we only had one car when we first were married and i remember you had one light bulb yeah one light bulb one car (laughs) and then we got in like a fight or something I, like, walked out of our apartment and, like, closed the door and, like, looked around and realized, like, I don't, can't go anywhere. Like, and I just had to, like, go back in there and talk to you. But I think that after that first year, you went to that first military training. It was then that, like, Kate asked me to be in, like, her shine group. And I just remember listening to people, other women talk, share their stories and being like, oh, my gosh, 
I'm not the only one. And I think it was just really encouraging to me. I mean, want to be careful with who you surround yourself with. But like, I was like, really thankful to have these women that had great relationships, but they weren't perfect. And like hearing them be honest about some of their struggles or things that they were hard and then watching them continue to like love their husbands or to like work through things. It was inspiring to me. I don't know, like, it's that's hard, though. It's hard to be like vulnerable about that stuff with somebody else. But I think that has been really helpful for me to have my husband like he's my best friend but then to have other friends too that can speak truth and life and you know model something for me that's been really good yeah uh, and it's hard to be vulnerable it, it really is with other people yeah. like to just be honest about like things that you're struggling with or that is really hard i'm someone i don't know maybe i feel like you feel that way too i feel like if we let ourselves like by nature we could just be like introverts stay at home on our couch and like but I feel like that's been something that we've learned a lot that we need other people and being vulnerable with other people is really scary but it also has like huge rewards too last week in Sunday school we talked about shame a little bit and then Chris spoke about it when he was giving a sermon talking about shame and we can have shame because of things that happened to us or because of things that we did and the antidote to shame is authenticity Hmm. and stepping into a place where you can be vulnerable and share and it brings it into the light and what's in the light the darkness has to flee from it it's hard but it's good we did like a a young couples thing with kate and chris for i don't know how long that went felt like a couple years got old so yeah so we weren't young (laughs) anymore (laughs) (laughs) but uh we did a thing with donald miller wrote blue like jazz he said something on there about Oh, him and his wife were on there. Just not making your spouse an idol. And I thought that was really unique, like a unique thing to say. But the longer we've married, the more I've like understood that. It's easy to put a lot on your spouse and in terms of fulfillment for yourself, it's expectations. And so you just can't do that. It's just not fair to put all of that on spouse. And so it's important to have community that you can plug into. And I think we're very fortunate, like I said before, just to have the church. And I think sometimes you don't know what a good thing is you know, that you've had your whole life. I guess give that encouragement to get plugged in to the community and the church. Basically what my wife said. (laughs) (laughs) That's always a good answer. And from someone who's watched you guys, I appreciate your commitment to each other and to the process. I mean, even on days where you didn't feel committed or (laughs) you felt like running away, but you didn't, but you didn't. And so your commitment to each other and to your kids is really beautiful. Marriage dealing with trauma is really hard. And I know that we're laughing and having a nice time tonight, but for a lot of couples, they can't stay together. So your commitment to each other has been really a beautiful example through the struggle. Thanks. Man, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Josh and Megan, for sharing your story and being vulnerable and just encouraging us all on that God is good all the time even when it doesn't feel like it. And Mm -hmm. he meets you in the middle of where you are and he loves you and he's got grace to cover you in the midst of things that don't go your way and that Mm -hmm. are hard and that that hope and that joy is what keeps us going. So we appreciate your time and it's been fun talking to you again. Thank you guys for all you do. Yes, it's always fun to listen to the Shine Podcast. (laughs) Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. You can't have one. You can't have none. You can't.